When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get down to business and no more nonsense. It's almost showtime. Test, 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 test. I hope you're ready for this. So let's get right to it, shall we? How long till end? Five, four, three, two, one. All right, take it away. Oh, this is going to be fun. Blunt talk from President Biden saying he sent a direct but polite message to Vladimir Putin. Don't invade Ukraine. The idea the United States is going to unilaterally use force to confront Russia invading Ukraine is not on the, in the cards right now, but what will happen is there will be severe consequences. I am absolutely confident he got the message. If Biden, if President Biden indicates that this is not the time, Putin will look for another opportunity, but right now he does see an opportunity. I was very straightforward. There were no mixed words. It was polite. Hello, Mr. President. There you go. Hello. Good to see you again. I, uh, Hello from Russia with love. Big economic relief for millions of Americans who have been dealing with soaring energy prices. Can we just Great celebrate the good news? But wait, there's more. Now let's dive into this week's edition of What in God's Name is Joe Biden trying to say? And those savings are starting to reach drivers now. Today, the average price you're paid is below. Two dollars a gallon, two three dollars a gallon, down to two ninety a gallon. We're going to keep at it to ensure the American people are paying their fair share of gas. Jack Riccardi, four till seven, News Talk five fifty, KTSa, and FM one zero seven one. Oh man, <laughs> that was something else. That was a tour de force from our producer Don Cooper right there. I don't even know if you need this show now. You got it all right there. That's where we're at. 407 on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Jack Riccardi, our dreadful little show in the late afternoon, starts right now. And you can jump in at 210-599-5555. So we got a lot to talk about. The The Senate has voted down the um, president's vaccine mandate for businesses. And two thoughts on this. Um, first, this is... Trump Republicanism. This is populist Republican uh, Party politics right here. So before Donald Trump, the Republicans would not have had the unity or the fortitude to take a stand on this. They now, when you see them vote like this, you, you realize they now get, at least in this moment, they get who their voters are, who is supporting them, who is... Who is turning out for them? And I, I, that was the first thing I thought of when I heard the news about this vote. They really didn't get it before. And say what you want about Trump. And a lot of people find a lot of fault with him. But he clarified for them, this is the party you are. This is who you are representing. The other thought I had about um, voting down the vaccine mandate is that people are still trying to conflate being against vaccine mandates with being against vaccines. All the rhetoric around this, all the speeches given around it, 
uh, suggest that if you don't support vaccine mandates, then you, your attitude toward COVID is let her rip. Let everybody get it. I don't care who dies. I don't care if I get it. I might have it right now. <coughs> you know, that, that's their, that's their conflation. There is, we have, we have, we are witnessing the demolition or the erasure of the, the line, the distinction between saying, yeah, I I take medicine when I think it's good for me, and everyone should be made to take this shot. And you know, we we had the story this week about the uh, Wall Street Journal uh, polling on Hispanic voters for the first time in memory. Hispanic voters are roughly equally split between the two major parties. I don't know if that's true, and I don't know how long that will last. But I really think what you're seeing is people are reacting to crazy. And crazy is crazy no matter what your ethnicity is, your race is. Have you ever been somewhere in a public place where something bananas happens? You know, somebody acts crazy or does something crazy or a display in a store falls over and people look at each other and you meet, you, you know, you, you, your eyes meet up with a stranger and you have that moment of, can you believe this? Or did you just see that? And that's what, that's what, what 2021 has been from the looting and the rioting to the woke mobs and the cancel culture. People are looking at each other and they're not looking at each other as, well, I'm white and she's Hispanic or, I'm black and he's white. They're just, can, can you believe this? Are you seeing this? That's what's happening, I think, right now. You know, it's interesting when you look at the struggle that Biden and the Democrats are having. You got to remember, they got everything they wanted in the 2020 election. They got the presidency, they retained the House of Representatives, and they won operationally control of the Senate with a 50 50 tie. They succeeded in drafting Joe Biden as the Trojan horse, the acceptable, moderate face of what was really a hard-left Democratic agenda. All the uh, parts of the orchestra played their, you know, everybody was on cue and everybody was on the right note, right? The media, the uh, Hollywood, uh, the financial sector, um, everybody played their parts in getting rid of Trump and getting Biden across the finish line. They got everything they wanted. And look how miserable they are. And look at all the things they promised that they haven't been able to deliver. COVID would be over. Prices would come down. People would be back to work. Um, and what they're finding out is um, the stuff they assumed we all wanted, the stuff they convinced themselves we all wanted, was really just the stuff they wanted. Americans don't want to pay more for gas. They don't feel good about that. They don't accept the inflation as, oh, well, this just makes it like the rest of the world. People aren't buying that. And the craziness, criminals being caught and released like, fish out of season. This is stuff that people are not okay with. But it continues. They they haven't woken up yet. The woke are still asleep. They still they still are quite sure that you want all of this. Here's a guy on uh, MSNBC. His name is Jason Johnston. 
And he is explaining to Joy Reid that the federal government is going to need to take over next year's elections. Listen to this, cut number one. This is an emergency. And I know this is something that hasn't been done in 50, 60 years. But you know what happened when the federal government said, hey, Brown versus Board of Education, we've got to integrate schools? They sent troops. They sent federal officials to places that said, you will let black children into school. This administration can say, we have concerns about how elections are being conducted in this particular state. We're going to send officials down there. We're going to send election observers. If we think that people's civil rights are being violated, we will do a federal takeover. I know lots of people are going to scream about this. The right wing is going to scream. This is what the federal government is supposed to do. If states are violating people's civil rights, you're supposed to step in. And we know perfectly well that the courts alone are not going to be good enough for this because by the time this gets up to the handmaid and all those other people hiding in the Supreme Court, they're going to say that what Texas is doing is fine. So in order for this government, for the Biden administration to save next year's elections, they're going to have to get aggressive and they're going to have to get creative. Wait a minute now. Hold on a minute. Um, Save the elections? You're giving people everything they wanted. They wanted Pete Buttigieg as Secretary of Transportation. They wanted Sala Amarova. Oh, wait, you weren't able to give them that. They want to pay $4 for gasoline. They want the store shelves to be only stocked two-thirds. They, this is what they want. What, why would they have to step in to save next year's elections? The Democrats should be rolling, cruising to victory in 2022. What's, what happened? I'm not even going to get into the the total apples to oranges comparison of uh, federal uh, integration of schools in the 1950s. That 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 has nothing to do with what we're talking about. No one is being denied the right to vote. What he's talking about is people aren't loving what we're doing, and we're going to have to control the elections, or else they're going to throw us the hell out. Talk about an attack on democracy. I mean, this is it right here, right? Federal officials, I don't know who that is, need to step in and save. You, so you're going to show up in Texas and, and announce you're here to save the election from Texans. Um, imagine if Trump had tried to save the election in Georgia. Just the phone calls he made, just the stuff he said about it, sends these people into hysteria. And this is a guy laying out a plan to federalize elections, and only in states where they don't think they're going to do very well, which I think is going to be a lot of them. Um, I, I think what you're seeing is desperation, right? They can't believe you don't love what they've done. Then they can't believe they've opened the border. They've laid down and opened the border. What is wrong with you Hispanic voters? Why aren't you giving them 80 and 90% approval ratings? What do you mean you're splitting your vote between the two parties? What do you mean Joe Biden has the lowest level of Hispanic support of any president in modern history, Democratic president in modern history? Well, how can that be? We thought you wanted open borders. We thought you wanted the country flooded with illegal immigrants. We thought you'd be fine with the crime. That's just a side issue. The important thing is the dreamers can stay and more can come and pathway to citizenship. What the what? They can't believe it. There was a guy also on MSNBC. They were talking about Putin and Ukraine. And and honest to God, I'm not making this up. He said, well, Putin would have a really hard time invading Ukraine because there's close to a million 
privately owned guns in Ukraine. I don't know if that's true. I didn't look it up. So this guy on MSNBC was making the core argument for the Second Amendment. He was saying, you can't invade Ukraine. It'll be really hard to occupy and and invade Ukraine because people have guns. They can fight back. Holy cow. (laughs) I mean, that's there it is right there. That's the whole point, dude. Remember that when we're talking about the Second Amendment here. But they don't get it. So it's been the year of crazy, and people are reacting. Not the way they're supposed to, not the way all the experts and the pointy heads thought they would. They're still ranting and raving, but you can see what's happening in this country. People are going about the business of figuring out what we need to do and how we need to get out of this. And this isn't going to just reward the Republican Party either. And in fact, it won't always reward the Republican Party. There are places like Seattle that are finding Democrats that are pro, uh, you know, law and order and pro police, and they're electing them. So people are looking for sense. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's interesting to watch this year play out because the left should be high fiving and cruising, and th- everything's turned out. You know, the way they they wanted, they got everything they wanted, um, and they're miserable. And they're already so sure they're in trouble next year that they're, they're contemplating all of these extreme disaster scenarios, you know, Plan Z for the 2022 elections. Well, the reason for that is because you can, you can promise anything you want. But people are going by what you've delivered. They're looking at what they're paying for things. They're looking at what the, at what things are not available. They're looking at what's happening to their job and their kids' school. They're looking at the way elites are lying to them, being caught in those lies, and then trying to shut up people that call attention to the lies. And people are quietly going about and sorting out how they're going to deal with that. And it reminds me of, if you go back in history, at the end of the Tsar era in Russia, in the final few years of Tsar Nicholas, before the communists took over, rounded up his family, and remember they executed his family in the basement of a house. The the Tsar, who was a weak, not very bright guy, had people telling him, the, the Russian people love you. Everything you are doing, everything you represent, they love. So he was surrounded by sycophants in the royal court who said, you're you're the most popular man, you're the most beloved man ever. But then he would look out the window of the palace and he would see people rioting. And he would see people hungry and demanding just basics. We need food. And so then other advisors came to him and said, well, those are just some troublemakers. Those aren't the main, those aren't the real Russian people. Those are just a few ne'er do wells. And it's okay if we kill them or knock them off or arrest them and throw them in the slammer. You'll be even more popular. And so he went with that. I'm simplifying the history, but that's what I see now. They don't, they can't believe that stadiums full of people are chanting what they're chanting about Joe Biden, but it's because people see crazy. They're not okay with it. Dan is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Dan, good afternoon. Hi. Yeah, it's Danny. Um, 
I told your screener I feel like a psychic. Um, all my friends were wringing their hands six months ago, and I said, just wait. Um, we've got to be patient. Wait until 2022. I think we're going to see uh, a record uh, turnover there. And uh, in 2024, like I told your screener, who are they going to run? I mean, the only name I've heard so far is AOC. How much chance does she have? Um, I think we could run, uh, like they say, a ham sandwich and win in 2024. Yeah, I don't know about that, but I, I mean, I think you're right. You've got to give people a chance to see. You can, you can, it's one thing to sit there and go, I know how this is going to turn out. I've seen this movie before, but it still has to happen, right? And people had to see it. They have to live with it. In these blue cities, they've got to live with the runaway homicide rate and the rise in crime. Now they're seeing what defund the police really looks like. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're right about that, Dan. I, the only thing I would disagree with you on is um, they're not just going to fold their tent and, and, and go home. When you, when you have people who are in power and feel entitled to power get this desperate, um, there's no telling what they will do. Well, I don't see anything that they can do because I th- I think that our uh, uh, constitution still still. Well, I have three little words for you. I have three little words for you, Dan. Vote by mail. Do you remember that? Um, or here's another yeah. word for you: variant. Yeah, well, How many more I, of those I, do you think there will be? Well, you may be right about all that. I'm just saying, uh, you know, that's that's where I'm at, right? The, well, I, I think you're. I think you may be uh, presuming that that the left recognizes their defeat, and I'm telling you, they don't. And they're gonna, they're they're like a cornered animal. They're gonna they're gonna do things you can't believe. You've got a guy on a network show saying maybe we need to federalize elections. We haven't even voted yet. He's already sure that they're going to get creamed so badly that the, the feds have to come in and take elections away from the states. I'm just saying, I think it's a long way from being over, but I appreciate your call. We're getting word again uh, right now that there is a verdict. Um, I think this time it's probably true. Um, and so we don't have it, and the jury is not back in the courtroom. But again, uh, word is filtering out in Chicago that uh, at some point this afternoon or this evening, we're going to have that verdict. The jury deliberated for about seven hours today and a couple of hours last night. Um, if they had come back last night after such a short deliberation, uh, that would have been odd and, and uh, unusual. But this amount of uh, deliberation, uh, most experts seem to think, is more in line with what they expected. So uh, the better part of uh, a day and a half, you'd say, of, of deliberation. The only thing the jury asked to re-review was um, some calendar uh, material that the prosecution had put forward, basically laying out some of the timeline of what they allege Jesse Smollett, the actor, did to fake this uh, hate crime against himself. So if you try to read into, we often in these cases try to read into, well, what did the jury want to see again or look at again? That was the only piece of material from the trial that apparently they asked for. There were no procedural questions. Uh, you know, recently during the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, the jury had questions about the law. We didn't have any of that this time. And so it seems to have been a pretty quiet, pretty smooth uh, jury deliberation. Um, 
Jesse Smollett is charged with six counts of felony disorderly conduct for making a false police report. Um, he made it. He, he The six counts are because he told his story six different times to three different investigators. Um, there is the possibility of prison time, uh, but most, again, analysts think that he will get uh, probation and community service, and some think that he may be ordered to pay for or pay toward the tremendous expense. I mean, think about the man hours that were spent investigating this, running down leads, uh, going through uh, you know surveillance cameras, and then tracking down the Osendero brothers, um, all of that. Um, and here we are in a city that has uh, a record homicide rate for the year, is the murder capital of the United States, and um, they had to waste all of this time on a story this guy staged for his own um, self-promotion, his own brand uh, promotion, uh, again, as the prosecution has argued, and it seems to me as the evidence indicates. Um, and then, you know, it's it's interesting, too, um, I don't know how closely you followed this, but one thing I noticed was that when Jesse Smollett testified, and even in the defense case that his lawyers made, they didn't really prove that this stuff happened. So they didn't disprove the prosecution's claim that this was a hoax. This was a staged attack, that they were all in it together. Instead, the argument from Jesse Smollett and his lawyers is that the jury must acquit him in order to strike a blow against systemic racism. You know, it's almost as if they said, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying they literally said this, but it's almost as if they said, hey, it didn't happen, but we have to recognize it as if it did because we have a problem in this country. We, we need to give this story credence even though it didn't happen. And that sort of goes to where we're at right now, right? Two plus two is four, but it can also be five, or it can also be three. 1619 Project, rewriting history, airbrushing history. It, it's necessary when the history or the facts are inconvenient. And the history and the facts are inconvenient in this case. So we're going to see what comes down. We'll bring it to you when it happens on 550 and 107.1 KTSA 210-599-5555. Again, when that verdict comes down, we'll have it for you and we'll break it down for you as well. The CEO of Better.com is apologizing for firing his employees on a Zoom call. He says um, he blundered. Well, I don't, I don't know what that means. Um, he, he did it. He thought it was fine. He thought it was okay. And then it didn't play well in the court of public opinion. I don't really think that's a blunder, right? That's a, I can't stand the heat, so I'm getting out of the kitchen. What do you think about firing people that way? Firing people via Zoom or FaceTime. Um, I want to play that for you here coming up and see what you think about it. It's our question on the JR poll today. Is it appropriate to fire people on a Zoom call? There is a verdict in the Jesse Smollett trial. We don't have it yet. We'll bring it to you as soon as it happens here on KTSA. This is the place to come in the late afternoon. 
as you're wrapping up your day or getting out of work, this is the place to come and hear what's happened and happening, and then we talk about it right here, you and I, 210-599-5555. So uh, Vishal Garg is the CEO of a company called Better, uh, Better.com. He, um, on December 1st, put together a Zoom call for several hundred employees. So it wasn't everybody at the company. You know how it is when you go to work and you're on the list or you get the email or the memo, you got to be on the Zoom. So you get, they all get on the Zoom call with the CEO. And I want to play you what he said to them. You know, they don't know what's coming. And these this last year and a half, we've all been on a lot of Zoom calls and FaceTimes. And this is what he hit them with. Uh, just about uh, a week ago. Listen to this, cut number nine. Thank you for joining. Um, I come to you with not great news. Um, The market has changed, as you know, and uh, we have to move with it in order to survive so that hopefully we can continue to thrive and deliver on a mission. This isn't news that you're going to want to hear. but ultimately, it was my decision, and I wanted you to hear from me. It's been a really, really challenging decision to make. I've, this is the second time in my career I'm doing this, and I do not, do not want to do this. The last time I did it, I cried. Um, this time, I hope to be stronger. But we are laying off about 15% of the company. You gotta be kidding me. Efficiency and performances and productivity. If you're on this call, you are part of the unlucky group being laid off. Your employment here is terminated effective immediately. Um. Where are they? Where are they finding these? Where are they finding these doofuses? What a tool! Look, I'm not. I I get capitalism and the free market, but this has to be the worst way of firing people in the month of December on a Zoom call, and then you proceed to cry baby your way through it this is so hard for me and i cry when i do this and i hope i'll be stronger and i i i and me 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 most of the most of the uh zoom call is about his pain and suffering except at the end of the zoom call he still has a job and none of them do how about that by the way i i, I predict um there will be zero attendance at the next zoom call at better.com no one's no one's logging in the next time he announces a Zoom call. Uh, so that's what he did on December 1st. Today he's saying, I apologize. I didn't show the proper amount of respect and appreciation for the individuals who were affected and for their contributions to better. I blundered the execution. Dude, you, here's, here's that word again. You know, I blundered. No. No, no, no. You... You're, you're no good at this. You're awful at this. And again, it's not that you can't fire people. But by the way, can I just say, if you're, if you're already into December, at least wait till after the first of the year. And if you're going to fire people, any way you would do it, 
Any way you would do it would be better. I mean, literally, pick something out of a hat would be better than a Zoom call. I mean, write it in the sky if you have to. What do you think about this? 210-599-5555. Is it appropriate to fire employees on a Zoom call? Anybody have this happen to them? I mean, I was on some pretty awful Zoom calls the last year and a half, but none of them were as bad as that. That is, that's atrocious. Um, they're a uh, real estate company, and we know that obviously a lot of companies have had hard times and what have you, issues. Although a lot of times when a company is having struggles, it isn't just the prevailing winds of the economy, right? Oftentimes it's incompetence. You know, it's it would be refreshing one time to hear an executive say, I, I didn't run the company very well, <laughs> and now you're out of work. But it's always, no, 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 we didn't want to do this, but we we have no choice. Usually it's about choices. So I, I think it's, you know... I think every backlash he gets, he deserves. Um, You know what it reminded me of right off the bat? I I know everything these days reminds me of a movie. But right away, all I could think of was that moment in um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation when Chevy Chase's character uh, thinks he's getting his Christmas bonus and he gets the Jelly of the Month Club instead. So he's he's counting on a Christmas bonus because every year the company gives every employee a bonus. He's already spent his uh, for his family. And then he gets this thing in the mail that says, uh, you're on the Jelly of the Month uh, Club instead. And he goes off this on this rampage that's one of the classic moments in the movie, cut number 10. This isn't the biggest bag over the head punch in the face I ever got. Son, I like Frank Shirley, my boss, right here tonight. I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there in Melody Lane with all the other rich people. And I want him brought right here with a big ribbon on his head. And I want to look him straight in the eye, and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no-good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is! Hallelujah! Where's the Tylenol? All right. That, that, that sounds, that about sums it up for me. What do you think? 210 599 5555, uh, better.com CEO apologizing for firing 900 workers at his mortgage and real estate company last week in a Zoom call, telling them if you are on the call, that means you're fired right now, immediately. And I'm trying not to cry. I'm trying to be strong. I'm trying to do this better than I did it last time. This is really hard for me, he says. It's like when your parents told you, you know, this hurts us more than it hurts you. Uh, Dan is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA San Antonio. Dan, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. Now, I actually thought it was kind of cowardice to actually do it that way. Of course it's cowardice. Um, It's not, but in all fairness, though, it's not unheard of. I've heard of companies doing that before. Where they they fire everybody on a Zoom call? No, they they send them an email or send them saying your job's been terminated. And it, well, it, you know, it, I I could see. I mean, I know there's mass firings. Believe me, I work in radio, but um, I, I I could see a mass firing, but the idea of putting everybody on the Zoom, and it's almost yeah, like I, it's almost like you've made a surprise party out of it. You know, only the surprise isn't one that anybody wanted. 
they thought they were getting something, and turns out they weren't getting anything. But the pay up. Yeah. Oh, they got they got something. All right. Yeah. Um, uh, but I mean, this but, is yeah. and see, this is what you're right. It's cowardice. This is hiding behind technology. You couldn't have done this at one time. There'd be no way to do it. Yeah, it would have been better off just to do it at the first, you know, on the second of January, rather no. than the first of December. Right. Right. Thank you, Dan. Uh, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Yeah. I, I, again, I'm not. I get the whole. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do, and being the guy that signs the front of the paychecks, you got to make hard decisions. I also get that if you have nine hundred people that your company is cutting loose, you can't meet with them individually. But um, there, there has to be something that takes into account dignity. There has to be something that takes into account um, not only the, the 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 impact this has on people, but also the time of year, you know, and. Um, it just it, it always astonishes me when when guys like this are shocked at the blowback. What what did you think was going to happen? You know. And in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, remember you know Randy Quaid, Chevy Chase's uh, cousin-in-law, goes and kidnaps the head of the company, drags him into their house, and is ready to humiliate him. Uh, and have the family humiliate him. And then the guy says, well, you know, now that I, I'm looking at all of you, uh, I realize this decision to cancel the bonuses wasn't the right decision. I, I, I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have, I, you know, I didn't think it through. Well, Vishal Garg was looking at his employees. He was on a Zoom. And uh, he just, he obviously isn't very good at what he does because he didn't realize where this would all go. Now, the irony is, he says that he was laying people off to make the company more competitive. The only thing this company is now known for is this idiot's Zoom call. I don't know how that's going to help them. I don't. They may be leaner in the uh, payroll department, but now they have an image problem uh, you could write a book about. Now they have a, now they have a, um, you know, now they have one of those um, PR nightmares like Union Carbide in 1984. 210-599-5555. All right, so is it ever uh, appropriate to fire all your employees on a Zoom call? Paul is on KTSA today's JR poll, powered by Stevens Roofing. Hi, Paul. Hi, how's it going? I uh, have a similar story. It was be- before Zoom, back in the day, I worked at Circuit City in the IT department, and uh, about a third of the department got called into a meeting and so we go in the meeting, and I kind of joked around and said, oh, what's the deal? We all getting fired? And the CIO said, no, actually, if you're not in this meeting, then you're no longer working for the company. They fired about two-thirds of the, of the department. Oh, so the people in the meeting were the only people they were keeping. Yeah, and I was the one that made the joke about getting fired, so I kind of felt like a tool. Oh. Well, I, I'll tell you, and again, I don't know how it is in other industries. In radio, when you get called into a big meeting, they say everybody needs to attend. You assume it's to fire us. That's what it. That's what it's been more often than not. So, yeah, I, I don't blame you for thinking that. Um, I mean, but doing it on Zoom where everybody's, you know, on the call and they're, it's just, I don't know. I mean, it, it's almost like you rub salt in the wound. Yeah. Like you said, that guy's still got his job. And, yeah, uh, it was all about him. I mean, if you're if you had to do it, and you had no other choice. You sh- you sh- certainly could have found a better way 
of uh, of doing it. And in this day and age, you've also got to think about social media and becoming, uh, you know, famous for the wrong reasons, which now he and his company have. So, Paul, I appreciate the call. Thank you, Paul, getting uh, called into the big meeting at Circuit City. Uh, William is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Hi, William. Hi, I have a similar story, and it was before Zoom, but it was very similar in that uh, I worked for a chart school, and the principal that I got along with very well just looked like, you know, she was just turning paler and paler every day, and I would say, what's wrong? And she said, I can't tell you. And then, mm. you know, we worked till like June the 9th, and we had a great year, and the kids all did great on the testing, and we had like a $2 million grant under Title Nine or Ten, one of those title things, and and we thought we were all doing great. And then they it reminded me of that TV show, Are You Being Served, uh, <laughs> where the manager comes down and says, you're all doing very well. You know, we had, we all met and stood around in front of this screen, and the, and the guy came on and said, you've all done very well, and you're to be commended. And then he said, unfortunately, we're closing uh. our school in San Antonio and opening one up in Dallas. And so... You know, you're all fired, but we're going to pay you the rest of your salary in lump, and then you're all going to have to go on to COBRA because we're terminating your insurance. Mm-hmm. And, and and if you're a teacher and you get, you know, you renew your contract, we'd all signed mm-hmm. up that we were going to come back. And then right. I remember scrambling. I was looking at every school within 150 miles of San Antonio, and it was, it was a bad year where a bunch of school districts let you know, we're already letting people go in the public sector. and It was a miserable experience, yeah. but yeah. I, I survived it, and I got another job, and and uh, that was very unpleasant. And then the next time I got fired, somebody had embezzled like half a million dollars in South Sam, and I got fired from the high school there. Yeah. They told me, and, and that wasn't my fault. I got noticed on Easter Sunday. And, and I was allowed to work till the till the end of the year, but I got good recommendations, and then I got another yeah, yeah. another job. Okay. But yeah, that's you, you do you do survive it, and it's it's hard in the moment. You you, you know it's hard to see that you're going to be okay and you're going to come through it. Um, I I and I and again I it it always sucks no matter how you find out or it's it's announced to you. But this guy just to me he wrote the book on the absolute worst way to do it there's just there's i've never heard of a worse way than that william thank you for the call um and you know the other thing i noticed about his his uh little announcement um he's thought a lot about how he's going to feel he's thought a lot about what this means to him and and i don't know how to say this any more politely or delicately so i'm just going to say it none of these people care <laughs> their their minds are racing they're figuring out bills and children and mortgages and christmas and you know the fact that you might cry or you have had a hard time with it, that, that nobody cares you know it's like somebody you know this is somebody like somebody mugging you in an alley and going oh, i may really hate myself for doing this to you Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. So, uh, a fierce backlash on social media with people blasting not only the approach using Zoom but the timing right before the Christmas holidays.
communications experts all saying um, they've got a long way to go to climb out of this and giving all kinds of unsolicited advice. Maybe with the money he saved, uh, he can hire one of these communications experts. Uh, Jesse Smollett and his legal team are in the courthouse in Chicago. Uh, we're waiting. They'll bring in the jury, and the judge will do the preliminaries, and then we will learn whatever verdict, if they have reached a verdict uh, in this case. We're told there is a verdict. And um, we'll bring that to you when it happens here on KTSA, and we'll have some breakdown of it. Uh, as we go along here and get your reaction to it as well. 210-599-5555. So the CEO of Better.com is on the hot seat for the way he fired 900 workers last week. He invited specifically these workers, which he describes as about 9% of the total company workforce, to a Zoom call. They didn't know in advance why they were on the call and other people weren't. And then he told them. Let me play it for you um, again. Cut number nine. Listen to this. Thank you for joining. Um, I come to you with not great news. Um, the market has changed, as you know, and uh, we have to move with it in order to survive so that hopefully we can continue to thrive and deliver on a mission. This isn't news that you're going to want to hear. Uh, but ultimately it was my decision and I wanted you to hear from me. It's been a really, really challenging decision to make. I've, this is the second time in my career I'm doing this and I do not, do not want to do this. The last time I did it, I cried. Um, this time I hope to be stronger, but we are laying off about 15% of the company. You gotta be kidding me. Efficiency and performances I and productivity. We did for the company. If you're on this call, you are part of the unlucky group being laid off. Your employment here is terminated effective immediately. Mm. And they didn't even get Jelly of the Month Club. Um, some of the people uh, took to social media and pointed out that they had been recently promoted and given raises and were given to believe from that that the company was actually doing better than other competitors in that market. So this really caught them off guard. I mean, it's one thing to work at a place where everybody knows uh, they're bleeding out, but I guess a lot of these people felt their company was was actually doing very well and they were given to believe that it was right up until the moment of this a uh, Zoom call. Mondo is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Is this a good way to fire people, Mondo? No, sir. I kind of got in a conference call, but get get how this happened. On a Friday, I got a call, conference call from my supervisors that I was going to get a $2 raise because I was essential because I'm a forklift mechanic. We load trucks and trucks deliver goods for the people. And I was so happy. I'm getting a $2 raise. Right. So Monday, I'm coming to work and I get another call. Another conference call, and I say, ooh, another raise? Laughing? <laughs> and it's, uh, no, Mondo, uh, we got somebody from HR. And I'm like, oops, did I spill oil somewhere? What happened here? She says, Mondo, and she takes off like that guy reading something. That due mm. to the COVID, you've been terminated effective immediately. Mm-mm. Do you imagine that, getting a raise and being told on a Monday that 
You no longer have a well, job. Having those things so close together just doesn't make sense. Like, you, you know, COVID didn't just happen over the That's weekend, right? Well, how, what happened? There's hundreds of us. You go, well, yeah. we have to cut 25%. I said, so out of, a, out of 100 people, I'm, I'm in the group of 25. That's one of the worst mechanics we got. And she said, no, 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 no. It's, we did it away with the PM program. We're going to do it away with all you PM guys, and that mm-hmm. helps us. And mm-hmm. then the, the, the service guys are going to do PMs now. And I didn't believe it till I saw our brand new trucks all mm-hmm. lined up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a brand new truck, fully mm-hmm. loaded. Mm-hmm. Now um, I'm on unemployment. It runs out. And then, I mean, it didn't hit me till I'm like, wait, where's the check? There is no check. Yeah. So now yeah. I've got to find a job. And yeah. luckily, Napa picked me up, and uh, I'm doing good now. It's been about three months. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah, no, this, uh, you know, eventually you get through it, but there's got to be better ways to treat people, and uh, I'm with you on that. I'm sorry that happened to you, Mondo, but thank you for the call. Uh, so Mondo got a job again, but uh, first got a raise, then got laid off. And that's what some of these people said. We just got a raise. One guy says he he um, he got promoted in June and got a raise in November. On December 1st, they have this crazy call. Uh, Larry is on five fifty and one zero seven one KTSa. Hi, Larry. Hey, Jack. I don't. I don't agree with, of course, the time of year or how it was delivered. But with, you know, remote workers and everything else going on with post COVID, is Zoom and Microsoft Teams just the modern day auditorium where everybody gets called into the auditorium and, mm-hmm. and given the mm-hmm. news? That was just kind of my point. I don't agree with the time of year or how yeah. it was delivered. Yeah. Just that modern. Auditorium, for lack of better I think I think you make a good point, which is that that a lot of employee, a lot of companies don't have their employees physically in front of them, uh, which would be better. But do, can you see where maybe even if you are working remotely, maybe you you do this in a way that breaks it down into smaller groups with team leaders, and you have questions and answers. And he he basically yeah, it, it looked to me like he just wanted to get this over with. No, exactly. It should have been brought down to, hey, we're going to have, like you were saying, departments or sections or whatever the case may be. Or, hey, I mean, we played the whole th- we played the whole announcement. It didn't even take ninety seconds. You've you've just upended the lives of hundreds of people. I think you got to put a little more work into it. Exactly, I agree. It just, yeah. I was just point to you. Is this just the modern right. day auditorium? Right. No, I I think that is a, that is a good point. And and if and if his people are smart, they'll make exactly that point. Hey, we're just doing this is what we have available to us. Larry, thank you. Good call. This is a special report from ABC News. I'm Daria Albinger. A jury in Chicago has reached a verdict in the trial of Jesse Smollett. The actor was accused of orchestrating a fake attack on himself and then lying to Chicago police about it. The jury has found Smollett guilty on five of the six counts of disorderly conduct against him and not guilty on one of the six counts. Repeating, a Chicago jury finds actor Jesse Smollett guilty in five of the six counts of disorderly conduct against him, not guilty in one of the counts the actor accused of orchestrating a fake attack on himself and then lying to Chicago police about it. I'm Daria Albinger, and this has been a special report from ABC News. All right, 524 on KTSA. So you just heard it right there. There were six uh, charges, and they all involved the telling of the story. There were there were six occasions on which he told uh, what prosecutors and what the state alleges were lies. 
uh, and was a false report. And that's uh, considered felony disorderly conduct for offering a false uh, police report. In the um, six charges, five he was found guilty, one he was not. Um, we're going to obviously have to suss out which of the six they did not come to an agreement on. And it will be interesting to know if that was something that they were hung up on and maybe there was a holdout or two or three holdouts or whether that was something that was very clear to the jury that they could not go there on that particular uh, charge. But uh, getting your reaction to that, we also, of course, now will await uh, whatever the sentencing decision is. That's the next step here. And uh, there are options that include um, prison time. Most people seem to think that he is more likely to get um, probation, community service, and possibly reparations instead of the prison time. But again, we don't know yet because that's the next step or the next part uh, in this uh, process. Let's bring into the conversation here now former Bear County District Attorney and retired Judge Steve Hilbig on our KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line. And Judge, good to have you with us. Thank you for making time on your vacation. I really appreciate your doing that. <laughs> Are you quite welcome. A- any um, Any thoughts, first of all, about nine hours of deliberation? Does that sound high or low or it's hard to say or... No, I, I mean, again, I think it was kind of like going back to the Rittenhouse case, Rittenhouse case that you had a jury here, knew that it was uh, their verdict was going to be examined, uh, questioned by people, and so I'm sure what they did was they wanted to make sure that they went through everything uh, with great care, so that when they came back into the jury, uh, excuse me, to the courtroom, uh, that they could defend the verdict, you know, in their own minds. When we hear. Um... Felony disorderly conduct for offering false police reports and and knowing what we know about this case, what we do know about it, um, does it sound to you like this will lead to actual prison time or is it more likely to be a probation community service kind of sentence? Well, uh, my understanding is that that state has the what we call guidelines similar to the federal sentencing guidelines. So, what should be happening at this point is that a pre-sentence report will be done by a probation officer, and the report would then be made available to the judge, the prosecutor, and the defense attorney. Uh, and you come up with a number uh, based on the person, the type of crime, uh, the makeup of the crime, and then the person's background. And with that number, then you look on a schedule, and it gives you the number of months in prison uh, and whether they're eligible for probation or not. Um, because of the nature of his crime, I, he really seemed to want to take advantage of the system for his own personal gain. And, and I think most people would say there ought to be some time in jail, whether that's as a condition of probation, uh, but some time in jail to send the message that you can't mess with the system and use it for your own gain. You know, um, the defense tried to argue that he was already famous and rich. Why would he need to stage something that would enrich or increase his fame? But they also made an argument that seemed really problematic to me, especially, I think, to a, to a jury, which was that even if it wasn't completely true, 
there's systemic racism and um, a blow needs to be struck, you know, for that, almost as if to say um, that staging a fake crime could somehow have societal value. Yeah, uh, and I guess in the legal terms, we call BS on that. No, I mean, I mean, <laughs> don't, this, don't throw around these big words. Yeah, uh, you know, the defense, you got to go with what you got. And, and I yeah. think that it was clear that they didn't have anything. And, and another thing I was thinking of, this really shows the difference. It's interesting to contrast how Rittenhouse, when he testified on his behalf, on his own behalf, how I think the jury accepted his testimony because they felt it was truthful. And then Smollett testifies on his behalf, blames everybody else. No, everybody's lying. I'm the only person telling the truth. Uh, the, the police are a bunch of racists. And, and I'm fairly sure that that testimony really turned the jury off. Well, and to the, to the comparison you're making, as we saw the videos with Rittenhouse, uh, they contradicted people's previous understanding of those events, fueled by poor media reporting, and buttressed his account of events. In this case, they did not introduce any new evidence that would change your mind or, or look favorably on him. If anything, we learned that he and his uh, advisors had withheld evidence, like call records and DNA, things that if you really are telling the truth, you should want to share. Sure. And, and again, I, I think it's uh, it goes back to, I always tell people, half the time when, some, when a person testifies on their own behalf, uh, it hurts them, and half the time it helps them. And, and this was clearly a case where Sm uh, Smollett did not do himself any favors by testifying. I think he thought that he could pull off the... Uh, testimony and, and to win it over because he's an actor, but I think it was quite clear that he hurt himself when he took the stand. Yeah. Um, we appreciate the insight, breaking this down for us. Retired Bear County DA and Judge Steve Hilbig. Judge, thank you tonight. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Jack. Yeah, have a great one. You as well. Just getting the verdicts on the Jesse Smollett trial. The jury came back after, we think, about nine hours of deliberation. So two hours yesterday, roughly, and roughly seven today. Um, and in their verdict, they found Jesse Smollett guilty of five out of six charges of felony disorderly conduct for making a false police report. Jesse Smollett and his family were not at the courthouse until word came down that there was a verdict. Yesterday, the judge had told everyone that once a verdict came in, he expected the parties to be in his courtroom within about 20 minutes. So probably, as is often the case with uh, scenarios like this, they probably had the family at a nearby hotel or something like that, someplace where they could get to the courthouse fairly quickly. Uh, and all, all parties were to be there. Um the jury did have its lunch and dinner breaks today, but again came back with a verdict just a short time ago. We don't really know. If the jury f believed that he was lying when he made these reports to police, we don't really know how they were not able to come to um, a guilty verdict on the sixth of those charges. In other words, they, they were all approximately the same kinds of charges, my understanding of it is. And so we'll see how that worked out or why that happened. And then sentencing, you heard Judge Hilbig say they have to have a pre-sentence a pre review and report. 
Uh, typically in uh, Illinois, uh, sentencing happens two or three weeks after the jury verdict. And with Christmas, maybe that puts us into January. So that's where we're at right now. Um, I, I think most people in this country would um, automatically and instinctively sympathize with any person being randomly, savagely uh, beaten and attacked while just going about his or her business. We're not a hard-hearted people. I think there was probably a willingness to believe that this could have happened. I think he probably could have made up a story that would have been more believable. I'm still kind of blown away. I, I believe he lied. I mean, I believe he made this up. I'm kind of blown away by what he made up. I, I guess I would think that somebody in the field of acting, someone that's been around scripts and 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 so forth, would would have a better um, sense of of writing a script. The, the the whole idea of this, the whole what we were expected to swallow was so strange and weird. And then when it began to fall apart, and again, this is just me, and you may disagree, and that's fine. When it began to fall apart, and, and for the record, I have no history with Jesse Smollett. I never watched Empire. I had never heard of him before this happened. It's not like he was one of my favorites or anything. But when it began to fall apart, and it, it, it became apparent that that this was not as he had reported it, that he had a relationship with these two brothers, that they had been um, coached and set up. Then I thought to myself, well, you know, you could almost have kind of a redemption story here, you know? This could be one of those moments where a celebrity um, fesses up. Remember, they used to do it on Oprah when you had to confess that you'd done something stupid or done something um, wrong, you went on Oprah, and Oprah heard you and chastised you and hugged you, and the audience applauded because Americans love a second act. They love a redemption story. So th- there was probably a moment where he could have said, I, I got caught up in politics, and I have these really strong viewpoints as not only a black man but as a gay man. But he didn't even do that. Instead, he turned it into a, well, nobody believes these racist police officers and I need to be acquitted because, uh, you know, systemic racism. And I, I think that became almost as offensive as lying about the attack in the first place. You know, it's one thing to screw up and get exposed for having screwed up. It's another thing to double down and really rub people's face in it. Um, when you clearly don't have the facts, the proof, even the, it's, it's not even a believable story. It's not even a, you know, the idea that these guys are just walking around with bleach and a rope. You know, it's just not, it's not a crime of opportunity. It's not, we, we've heard, we've certainly heard of hate crimes where people notice someone who looks a certain way and they get beaten on because they drew the attention of the wrong people. But, but I mean, the, 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 the particulars of this were just not believable. 
And um, and then I think the lawyer trying to make the argument, well, he's already famous and rich. He doesn't need to do things. Our, our, our world is full of people who are famous and or rich and are miserable. We, we know that. You don't need to be a psychologist to figure that out. Uh, there's always something people think they should have or more or something they don't have that they want to have. A lot of people who are very comfortable want to be able to claim an affliction. They want to be able to claim a victim status. I see it even in kids. You know, you'll see kids that you know come from a good home and have had their every need met. But when they get together and talk with their friends, it's all angst. You know, it's all, oh, it's a nightmare. They have to have that, even though it's not really going on. We're learning the jury verdict in the Jesse Smollett case, and let me break it down. Uh, thanks to the folks at LegalInsurrection.com. So there were six counts. The jury found him guilty of counts one through five. Count one is uh, him telling a Chicago police officer named Muhammad Baig at around 2.45 in the morning, which was immediately after the alleged attack, that he had been the victim of a hate crime, and he showed... Uh, Officer Big, the uh, rope around his neck, they found him guilty. Count two is um, him telling the same officer that he was the victim of a battery, uh, accusing uh, two men of beating on him and pouring bleach on him. They found him guilty. Counts three or four is when he made those same claims, but to a different officer, Officer Kimberly Murray. Uh, This was at about 6 a.m., so a few hours, a couple hours, a few hours later. Count five is... Uh, Smollett telling Murray about an hour after that uh, his account of being beat up. Count six is Smollett reporting to a detective. Now we're into February, so these attacks were in January. Now we're on February 14th, and Smollett, and Smollett is telling a detective uh, of this attack. And on that count, the jury found him not Guilty. Right now, Smollett's attorney is speaking outside the courthouse. Let's listen in here on KTSA. In this case, I want to point out that there's enormous effort was put in. When- I agreed to take the special prosecutor role. That meant that my law firm became special prosecutors, and the men and women around me right now, in the last two and a half years, have worked so hard to develop the evidence, present it to a grand jury, listen in. go through a pandemic, wait to get a trial, which we wanted. And finally, in the last 10 days, uh, these lawyers have had a chance to present this evidence to a jury, and we've come away with the jury agreeing that they should have heard the case, and in fact, he was guilty. Thank you very much. Questions? Can you just confirm for everyone what that sixth charge is that he's found not guilty of? The sixth count, well, I'm not going to speculate why a jury did that, but that sixth count was an event that occurred two weeks after the event. So the, the other false statements were made to the police right on the day of January 29th on three different interviews, and that counted for five of the six counts, which he was found not guilty in every one of those. The sixth count was two weeks later, on February 13th uh, at a police station, and it may be because it was after the event. I don't know what the reason was. It wasn't that significant to our case um, and um, has no impact on the case whatsoever. Yeah. It was yeah. So you, the answer is yes. You're right. It was the aggravated battery, which means that there has to be a mask, and we charged that because the the police officer testified that that's when we 
Smollett told the police officer he was a mask. But whatever the reasons are, uh, this jury, by the way, this jury worked so hard, and for Mr. Smollett to get up in front of them and lie for hours and hours and hours, that really compounded his misconduct. And quite frankly, when I saw that happen in the courtroom, uh, at least for me, as a trial lawyer that spent my life in the courtroom, we don't expect defendants to do that. Defendants have a right to go to trial. Defendants have a right to argue that their case has not been proven beyond a reasonable doubt. But defendants do not have the right to go in front of a jury and lie under oath. Mr. Smollett would not have lost this case, as he did today, unless the jury found that he lied to them. And so that was something that I was very proud that this jury came to the conclusion that he's guilty, uh, and the fact that he came up with a completely uh, ridiculous story to explain his misconduct did not apparently have an impact on the jury's verdict. How do you, how do you, how, how does perjury charge handle this point? Pardon me, I'm sorry? How do you handle that? That is perjury. How do you handle that at this point? Well, first of all, that we're, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that question. I will say that over the years, uh, if someone is convicted in a court of law by a jury, uh, normally follow-up perjury charges do not normally occur. That's just the way it is. Uh, but I'm not going to predict what's going to happen here. Uh, we just got the verdict uh, 30 minutes ago, and let's see what happens. No, I mean, I don't... Uh, I mean, look, the fact that we, you put in six counts or 16 counts, uh, when someone is found guilty of five out of six counts, it had literally... It has no impact on our case whatsoever and is insignificant. Do you push Mr. Brown on his vindication for the Chicago Police Department? So I would like to, that's a good question. Thank you for asking the question. You heard me in my closing argument. I talked to them about the, these, the, what I said in my closing argument is that for Mr. Smollett to, in this city, with this police department, to have reported this crime on January 29th, you saw what this city did. A lot of times people say, well, Police officers sweep things under the rug. This police department responded by absolutely testifying in this trial that they took it seriously, they believed it was the victim of a crime, and they worked so hard for the next three weeks. You saw 26 Chicago police officers spent 3,000 hours of time costing the city well over $100,000 for a fake crime that never occurred. And by the way, a fake crime that denigrates what a real hate crime is, and to use these uh, meanings and symbols that are so abhorrent in our society, it's clear why the police would take it seriously. And they did. When Detective Thies described, he was working 36 hours with no sleep, and so were other police officers, because they had to trudge through these communities and get doorbells that had these cameras on it, and the work they did was extraordinary. So I have told the jury that what happened here was so wrong for the Chicago Police Department. And, and by the way, maybe the Chicago Police Department is not perfect, but I'll tell you this, what they did on this case was extraordinary police work, and the fact that this jury uh, convicted him on virtually all counts was based on testimony from Chicago right. police officers. You're hearing uh, Prosecutor Dan Webb outside the courthouse in Chicago reacting for the first time to guilty verdicts on five of the six counts against actor Jesse Smollett. Uh, getting reaction to the Smollett verdict talking about this uh, CEO who fired employees via a Zoom call. Um, and we're also, uh, and we've been talking about uh, vaccine mandates, the 2022 elections, 
and much more uh, with your calls and your votes in the JR poll, 210-599-5555. Doug is calling in on the uh, verdict in Chicago. Doug, good evening to you, sir. Good evening, Jack. I just have an idea as far as the uh, uh, the sentencing of uh, Smollett. So if you picture, if you will, the two white guys get out of a uh, bar at 2 a.m. or something, and they're walking home, and the police have now uh, on the search for two white guys that uh, beat up Smollett, and um, they've come across these two these two guys. Uh, they arrest them. Their life is turned upside down and goes through hell. We already know Smollett has no honor, so he's not going to go look. Okay, these guys didn't do it. He's gonna he's gonna bask in the in the limelight. So I think. Smollett should get the same punishment that those two white guys that that just got out of the bar would get. What do you think? Well, um, what do you think would happen to them? Uh, I'm trying to understand your comparison. uh, Well, they'd get the book thrown at them. They'd be uh, labeled as uh, racist. It would be a hate crime. Which I believe hate crime in in Illinois is already doubles the penalty. But I mean, if you're uh, but if you're saying they didn't do it, and it's right? investigated, wouldn't they have a pretty strong defense? Uh, I mean, there's not going to be any there's not going to be any physical evidence tying them to Smollett. They're not going to have any hair or or body fluids. They're not going to be on any video. Uh, they're going to be able to perhaps even show where they were at the time if they were in a bar. There's other people in there. I mean, they, they, you're right, they'd have a bad night, but then they'd be probably be cut loose, right? Well, you would you would hope so, and, and maybe 10 years ago they would have, but today's society, I, I fear mm-hmm. that the accusation is enough to ruin a person's life forever. You're, you're afraid, in other words, yeah. that they might have gotten, these two guys, if they just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, might have gotten sort of railroaded by a city that was you know, determined to find these attackers. Right. That was determined yeah. okay. and then and then determined to uh, smooth over the uh, quote-unquote woke crowd, make everything go away because they'd be yeah. right then if they're found not guilty right. or not prosecuted. And so to me, the, the accusation should, uh, uh, the false accusation should come with just about the same yeah. penalty. Okay. I, there's a there's a cosmic justice to that. I see what you're trying to go with that, Doug. I I think you know, of course, you I'm sure you know that that's not they can't actually do that. But uh, in a in a in a in a parallel universe, you're saying that's what should happen. That's that's an interesting point. Thank you. Um, I I really am am now interested. I'm kind of I'm kind of over Jesse Smollett. I'm now interested in in what his champions are going to do. He had a lot of champions. I mean, Doug is right. In the in the hours and days after he first uh, told this story, he had rallied the now president of the United States, the now vice president of the United States at the time. Both of them were were candidate candidates, not uh, in office. This happened in 2019. Um, he had rallied the usual suspects of the you know. Al Sharptons and Jesse Jacksons and Benjamin Crumps and what have you. Um, here's 
Here's Joe Biden's tweet um, on January 29th, 2019. So the evening after the morning of the alleged attack, Joe Biden tweets, What happened today to Jesse Smollett must never be tolerated in this country. We must stand up and demand that we no longer give this hate safe harbor, that homophobia and racism have no place on our streets or in our hearts. We are with you, Jesse, he wrote, or somebody wrote. Now, this is Joe Biden, now the President of the United States, throwing the city and the country under the bus, presuming and assuming the hate and the homophobia and the racism. Because to people like Joe Biden, that's that's who we are. It's his job to save us from it. Here's Kamala Harris, who's a California senator at the time. She tweets out in the afternoon after the attack, January 29th, 2019, Jesse Smollett is one of the kindest, most gentle human beings I know. I'm praying for his quick recovery. This was an attempted modern-day lynching, writes Harris. No one should have to fear for their life because of their sexuality or color of their skin. We must confront this hate. I wonder what they'll tweet tonight. Or if they'll tweet tonight. Our producer's telling me that he's been flipping over on the channels and MSNBC is not even reporting this story, not not covering it, not reporting it. They don't know what to do with it now. It was only useful when we were a homophobic, racist country that's out looking, We, you know, we're out looking for people to lynch on our way home from work or our way home from the bar. You know, that's how we wrap up a perfect evening. If I sound bitter, it's because, look, I understand there are hate crimes and there are vicious animal people out there, but I, I, I think we deserve leaders who don't constantly assume and presume the worst about us. While they're lecturing us on how to be better, they themselves keep showing us just how imperfect and human they are. While they tell us in minute detail what we must do and how we must comply with their COVID regimen, they themselves don't do it. They are serially, repeatedly caught not able to comply with their own orders. And it gives you the idea that they don't believe their own orders um, apply to them. They are so much better than us, they are germ-free. They probably don't ever smell bad. (laughs) They wake up with their hair combed. They're perfect. People are getting fed up. And so I, I don't think people know how to climb down off the outrage platform that they get up on. And Jesse Smollett worked them up. He he knew what he was doing in the sense of pushing the right buttons and 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 you know uh, summoning the right imagery. But where are Biden and Harris now? This was a modern-day lynching. That's a very powerful, that's a loaded word. 
Loaded word. By the way, um, most lynching victims didn't survive to do a Good Morning America interview. Lynching was mostly a fatal condition back when it was more common. It's a very big word. I have the feeling the people using these words don't really know what they mean or care what they mean. But even worse is if they do know. Jack Riccardi on 550 and 1071 KTSA. We mentioned last night the anniversary of the Eagles releasing the album Hotel California. Uh, tomorrow um, at noon is when Eagles tickets for Austin will go on sale. If you're interested, Ticketmaster will have Eagles tickets at noon tomorrow for their May 20th concert in Austin at the Moody Center. Austin is one of several major U.S. cities, according to the Epic Times, uh, that has already hit its all-time murder record, and we still have three weeks to go in this year. Austin joining St. Paul, Minnesota, Indianapolis, Louisville, Albuquerque, Columbus, Rochester, New York, Philadelphia, and others as shattering their all-time murder records. You know, I was thinking today about, um, I'd seen an article earlier in the week about how uh, a real estate expert was predicting that San Antonio property prices next year may rise faster than Austin, that San Antonio's real estate market may actually heat up even more than Austin's. We've, we've been used to, in recent years, Austin sort of grabbing the headlines uh, for growth and things like that. Um, I can't help but think that San Antonio has such an opportunity. We are led by people right now who want to be a pale echo of Austin. They would love to do everything, policy-wise, Austin is doing. Even when other cities have confronted the mistake of defunding the police, not Austin, nope. And here we are an hour away, hour and a half, and um, we have so much going for us, and we have such an opportunity to do the other thing, to, to, to go the other way. And instead, we've elected a progressive mayor and city council that are trying to be also rands for Austin and Portland, and San Francisco. It's a shame. It's really, It really is a shame. It's, it's not just a shame because we have to live with what they're doing, but it's a shame because what a contrast you could draw. And I really believe a lot of people, when they are shopping for either a place to live or a place to do business, when they're shopping this part of the country, they're looking at both cities. And I, I say this just for myself, I want them to see a difference. And when I moved here 27 years ago, there was a difference. And over those 27 years, most of the time, there has been a difference. And I think in the future, there may be less and less of a difference, which is really, a, in my view, that's really blowing it. But tell me what you think, 210-599-5555. Speaking of prosecutors and crime, um, I want to play this for you. This is the new... Um, United States Attorney for Massachusetts. She's a George Soros uh, disciple. Her name is Rachel Rollins. She's just appointed, been appointed the U.S. Attorney for Massachusetts. A local television station in Boston uh, wanted to interview her. 
as she got out of her car, and this is what it sounded like, cut number six. You're in front of my house with we, my we, children? We literally just pulled up here. Yeah, but how do you know where I live? Oh, it's public record, ma'am. Right, okay. That's unbelievable. We're not stalking you at all. We're yeah, not, but not. my kids are inside. Oh, we never even knocked the door. We were just parking here trying to figure out where we were going, and someone said we saw you here. So. Yeah, okay. Thanks. So happened to see you. Yeah. We did. We no, did. I, I'm going to please make sure that you're in front of my house with my children inside. And you're going to put this on oh, here. This is your house. Yeah, sorry. so as a black woman, in this moment, in this country, you're going to put my f- house on the screen? No, 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 ma'am. We're just here approaching you to ask you a question. Get away from my family. Speak to me at my job. If I get hurt or harmed because of this, you are on the record for that. Or my kids are, are f- killed. Listen. Who do you think you are? Get, this is private property, okay, get out of here. Get out. And you yeah. know what I'll do? I'll call the police on you and make an allegation, okay. and we'll see how that works okay. with you. Absolutely. So the rantings of a white woman get you here and scare my children? No, no, no. Get no. off of our private property. And I swear to God, I'm dead it. serious. We're I will find your name. You. you can ask me somewhere else. I can give do you Do not have a camera in front of my house. I can give you my name. Get, her, get them out of here. This is the Please. Boston I'm Police. I will have you arrested. I swear to God. My children are going to be hurt. We're just here to ask a question. You didn't even know where you live. Get you away from my house. I'm serious. Please. Please. Okay, we're, we're going to step away. Thank you. Okay. Out of respect. Absolutely. Okay. Well, she seems really nice. <laughs> she's like a terrific person. Very um, colorblind and anti racist. Sounds like a terrific. Sounds like just the kind of person that should be the top federal law officer for an entire state. Excellent. Good work. Good work, Biden administration. Um, notice how fast she plays the race card. And um, her outrage at being interviewed or confronted. I can remember when they were threatening to dox people who had donated to Kyle Rittenhouse's defense fund. They were doxing people for donating to President Trump. How dare you? Get away from me. My children. I'm a black woman. I mean, she's just like dealing the cards off the deck, right? What else can I say? Got all the cards. She's got her Jesse Smollett card deck, and she's just playing all the cards. Rachel Rollins, United States Attorney for Massachusetts. Six forty-one on KTSa. Jack Riccardi. This half hour with the results on our Stevens Roofing Jr. poll about the guy that fired his employees on a Zoom call. Talk more about that. Um, you probably have heard the story by now. The other night, um, a guy climbed up the um, Chris. It, it really wasn't a tree. It was a. I guess you could say it was a constructed tree or a a tree like contraption that they had put up outside the Fox News headquarters in Midtown Manhattan. Anyway, this guy set it on fire, destroyed it. Uh, He was arrested back out on the streets within hours because that's the way they do things now in Democratic cities. 
Uh, but what happened next, I thought, was interesting and revealing. So the story was a prominent public Christmas tree was torched. By the way, also this week, uh, a, a guy burned down a Christmas tree in Jack London Square in Oakland. Um, the other networks used the burning of the tree outside Fox to talk about COVID and vaccine mandates and and uh, vax trutherism and all of these other, you know, unrelated issues. And then Harris Faulkner on Fox had one of their Democratic panelists come on, and he tried to tie in all of these other things. She shut him down pretty quickly. Listen to this, cut number three. The stabbings are point, off the charts in To New your York. point, and to your point, if Fox would put as much energy into decrying the anti-vaxxers, we now have 800,000 people dead and one tree that's destroyed. I don't think there's kind of a all lack right. of kind of uh, symmetry First there. First of all, and you I don't think have that's your facts energy straight. should go. Because many of no, us so, talk I'm about sorry. being vaxxed, the, boosted, uh, all of that within the realm of reporting on the entire subject. We also talk about natural antibodies. We talk about all of it. So if you want to point a finger and call somebody anti-vax, you got to get your facts straight. Okay. Well, Richard, I, I've known I you a long time, and it's not personal, Sorry. but you made it personal. <laughs> it's not personal, but you made it personal. Uh, Fox News lives inside their head rent-free, you know? They really do. Um, but that's how it's going to be from here on out. We don't, we can't even agree on a Christmas tree anymore. Just the idea that it's wrong to burn down a Christmas tree. Could you have imagined? But that's where we are now. That's where they are now. Um, and by the way, um, somebody noted that Merriam Webster Dictionary has changed their definition of anti-vaxxer. Uh, social media has taken note of the fact that the Merriam-Webster Online Dictionary now includes, as the definition of anti-vaxxer, those who oppose regulations mandating vaccination. And uh, that's considered a small adjustment. That's a pretty big adjustment. Anti-vaxxers traditionally have been people who oppose the use of vaccines. They don't want the vaccine. They don't trust the vaccine. They have their reasons. The contention that you're an anti-vaxxer if you oppose mandates is a intentional lie. Because there are countless people who have the vaccine against COVID-19 and other vaccines for other things as well, but oppose on principle mandating vaccines. Just as there are people, I would use this comparison, there are people who defend a woman's right to get an abortion but have not had an abortion and probably would never get one. There are people who defend the rights of gay men and women in this country. They're called allies. That's the term in the gay community for people that are not gay but defend and and advocate for their gay friends or family members. Why are you having trouble with this or pretending to have trouble with it? You're not an anti-vaxxer. You're not anti-vaccine. If you are taking a stand against an abuse 
of government power. In fact, we need more people to, at the very least, question what government does. It's very unhealthy when Americans are not questioning their government, when Americans are just rolling with it and nodding and show me where to get in line and am I doing this right? It's much healthier for us as a people. And this may not, you know, I've said this before, this is not the definition of citizenship other countries have. In other countries, there is no um, daylight between obedience to the government and good citizenship. They're virtually the same thing, or they are the same thing. In this country, it's very dangerous when Americans are not saying, hey, do you have the right to do that? Can you show me where you have the right to What law are you relying on, or where in the Constitution does it say? That is a healthy condition for us. You know, health is not just avoiding COVID. Health is maintaining your freedom and your opportunities going forward it's it's hanging on to what you have and making sure you don't lose it we've made the avoidance of covid cover for a lot of other things and changing a dictionary definition like that on the qt is just a it's a total 2021 move isn't it is it appropriate to fire employees on a zoom call the way better.com ceo did Last week, is it appropriate to fire people via Zoom? No, said 97% voting in the JR poll tonight. Yes, said 3%. New poll question tomorrow. We get started at 4. The JR poll is always available at KTSA.com. You know, um, I haven't said very much about it today, but um, we're wrapping up our Wrapping with Jack campaign tomorrow tomorrow's the last day that there'll be uh, drop-off boxes at our sponsor locations and you can uh drop items that you've picked up in your uh in your shopping as you make the rounds and, and of course you can still go all through the day tomorrow you'll be able to hit the, the donate button at ktsa.com i know a lot of people wait toward the end and that's true with every everything we do whether it's the jimenez radiothon or any of those things and that's fine um, but I am mentioning it really quickly here because I would hate for it to get away from you or you forget, you get busy. Uh, so if you're thinking of it right now and you've been wanting to give to Rappin' with Jack, uh, when you give, you are helping one or more members of these families served by Family Service Association have a gift to unwrap on Christmas Day. Your gift will be the gift they unwrap. That'll be it. So you're making a huge difference. You're helping people that have had a tough year. You're helping keep a 23-year tradition we have of working with Family Service Association, and hope you'll do it. Hope you're able to, and hope you choose to at KTSA.com. We'll leave you tonight with um, 1965 and James Brown wishing everybody not only a Merry Christmas, but let's, let's make it mean something. Here he is. Hi, everybody. This is James Brown. Very, very unusual way to But I gotta start by saying thanks. Thanks for such a wonderful year. Not only you, God, number one, you, number two, and all the wonderful things. You know, when I look 
beautiful day. I say, God is not. Sing one time.